Hello, welcome to Dying to Talk. I'm Buddy Feneff, a fourth generation funeral director in New Hampshire and the owner of Feneff Funeral Homes and Crematorium and the founder of the Cremation Society of New Hampshire. My co-hosts today are Mandy Damaris and Madison Smith, both longtime funeral directors with our firm. Hello, I'm Mandy. Thanks for joining us on Dying to Talk. Hi, I'm Madison. We're excited to discuss some frequently asked questions about the funeral industry. Dying to Talk is a lighthearted and upbeat discussion of those topics no one really wants to talk about. Each episode, we will choose a subject that is related to funeral service, the cremation process, or death and dying. And on this week's show, we're going to be talking about Hindu funerals and the Hindu funeral rite. A lot of people don't realize New Hampshire, Southern New Hampshire specifically, has a, a very large Hindu population. And as you ladies know, I would say you know multiple times a month we're doing having Hindu services. Yeah, and it, it's a huge community, and and they are so closely knit and so supportive of each other. It, yeah. It's it's an amazing thing to watch the entire community come together um, when somebody does pass away. Our guest today, talking about um, about Hindu funeral rites, is Yogesh uh, Partek. Yogesh is the program director for a an organization that we are are very proud and privileged to serve um, and it's called the Indian Circle of Caring. Yogesh, welcome to Dying to Talk. Thank you very much. I do appreciate having been part of this uh, taping session. It's an honor for ICC as well as for myself. Well, let's and and I got to be honest as as much as we have have dealt with with ICC over the years I don't know a lot about ICC as as an organization, why it was formed. I, I know its mission in terms of you know when one of your members or non-members passes away and how we get involved and how you assist the family. But let's talk bigger picture. So tell us a little bit about about ICC. So we can start at the begin at the beginning. Uh, ICC start, came into being back in August two thousand seven. And at that point, the founders, that is primarily Grish Mehta and a couple of other family members, realized the need in the community for doing certain things that were not being done. These were unfulfilled needs. Mm -hmm. By that, what I mean is there were many other organizations. There are, in fact, many organizations in New England of the people who have come from Indian subcontinent over the last 50 years. Most of these organizations are primarily connecting with each other from the community based on region, religion, or language. And the primary focus is cultural activities, celebrating festivals, for example, and maintaining and preserving and expanding and creating awareness amongst the children of the families for the Indian way of living, life, and religion itself. However, there was this unmet needs. What happens when the family experiences some kind of urgency, emergency, Crisis. Like a death in the family. Death in the family, there's the ultimate crisis as mm-hmm. we see it. But before that, hospitalization, visiting the doctor's office when there is nobody else to take the elders of the family to the hospital. Where do they go? Well, there's no organization that steps forward. So ICC came into being with a group of volunteers, and that's precisely what we do. We try to meet the needs which were otherwise unmet before that. Where we come into picture is we help the families, taking them to the medical office, hospitals, clinics, lab. If there is an emergency, then we step in immediately. If there is a crisis, we step in right there. We provide some kind of counseling if need be. We also provide a lot of information. If there is a hospice care, we try to intervene and help the families Because remember, most of these people these days are very young, so to speak. Mm -hmm. They have not experienced these emergencies 
in their personal life as such. Their families had done in India, but they are so far removed from India. They don't have experience. They haven't observed anything. So this is so new. On top of the grief, loss, emotional setback, etc., they have to deal with the arrangement and other things, and they are at complete loss. So somehow, if they come to inform us, anyone at ICC, we step in, we take over from that point, we provide the information, provide the support, facilitation, guidance, hold the hands, offer a shoulder to lean on, and anything that's required to make sure that this crisis, the emergency, etc., is dealt with in the most uh, sentimental and personal fashion. We are not professionals, we are a bunch of volunteers, yeah. and we don't exchange any money with so where, where's your service area? Obviously, we're in New Hampshire, and I know there's a, a, a good-sized um, Hindu population in southern New Hampshire, but you're, you're based out of Massachusetts, but yeah. you're servicing... So Girish Mehta started this organization, as I said, in August 2007 from his home. We still operate from his home, okay. but most of the time services are provided at the destination, meaning where the people are or they're going to, like hospitals, for example, or the funeral homes. There are a group of volunteers... We have about 50 volunteers who we consider active volunteers. Mm -hmm. We have about 200 volunteers who are willing, ready, and able to help, but we have not called upon them because we don't need as many as such anyway. And then there are four members of a board that manages this organization. Grish Mehta is the executive director, and there are three others. One is a director of volunteer service. Another one is a director of community outreach, and myself, I'm a director of programs. So we try to bring different programs into the picture. And we operate from Waltham whenever need be for the organizational matters. Otherwise, we just go straight to the clients' homes, hospitals, or wherever we are needed. How do people, Indian family, find out about your services and who you are? I mean, is it mostly people that have just moved here? Are there people that have you know other coming so, from india different parts of the country how do they how do you they learn so, about you uh, let me give you a little context okay uh, as i looked at it uh, there are about 3.18 million people of either indian origin like myself or our children who were born and raised here these 308 3.18 million people are all over united states of which about 85000 are in massachusetts about 40,000 are in the remaining parts of New England, about 40 or 50,000, give mm -hmm. or take a few thousand. So this increasing population, also population is advancing, their needs are changing. So whereas we started looking for cultural exchange and celebrating festivals, now the need is really changing to mm -hmm. hospitalization, emergencies, hospice care, death, etc. So your focus has changed so a little bit focus over? Is, yeah. Our focus is still always the same yeah. because other organizations maintain the focus on cultural exchange and activities, whereas our focus has been helping the families out in case of emergency. How do they find out about us? Well, the way we try to do this and we continue to do that is we have a community outreach coordinator, program director, um, director, and he manages uh, our presence at many of these events. So there are many Indian events, like, for example, Indian Independence Day, Indian New Year Day, etc. And many such social events, wherever it takes place, we try to maintain a booth. And in the booth, one or two of us will stand for the whole time. Mm -hmm. We have a big banner that draws the attention of the people. Whenever people are passing by, we try to draw their attention, engage them in conversation and introduce them. And we tell them one thing, that help us help your, help your friends. 
because nobody wants to be helped because they are not thinking about the death in the family or hospitalization but they might know somebody else who might need that right. so we tell them help us help you help your friends and they are intrigued and they would have to do only one thing that's give us their name and information about their contact there is no fees for this so we take that information we give them a badge that a little key tag that tells them they are part of our organization and they keep it in mind and if they come across a situation where somebody has passed away and that family young family where the visiting parents one of them may have passed away they did not know what to do suddenly they call this friend who says wait a minute let me contact icc because i think that's what they do and that's how within matter of few minutes if we come across this we'll immediately go to the hospital or the home and try to console them try to find out their plans for the funeral guide mm-hmm. them support <coughs> them bring the information and it's quite involved at the time when the family is ill prepared and they are emotionally not ready to have this conversation is when we help them manage the conversation while holding their hand this brings us into the arrangements um the the hindu funeral rites the traditions um for the ceremony can you kind of start on that for us so certainly so as you might have heard hinduism is a religion but it's not an organized religion it did not start with one person and there is no organization that says well this is the organization that's a keeper of the flame for hinduism mm-hmm. hinduism is a set of practice belief and principle and that's something being done for as long as mankind has been around if we go back in from in terms of archaeological evidence it it seems that it may have started about 7 or 8000 years ago almost at the time when civilization was beginning to take place so since that time death has been part of everybody's life so in hinduism there is a practice of cremation as opposed to burial and in hinduism we believe that the soul is immortal but the body is mortal the soul is in the body as a prison so soul is captured in this body and the when the body dies because body cannot keep up with the demands of the life body gives up and we call it death at that point soul is free soul will go away into another body as we exchange the clothes and when the clothes are old we throw them away and we buy new clothes likewise soul is eternal and when this body is so old cannot continue soul will go into another body and we take care of this current body which is a dead body by creating a uh, cremation the reason for cremation is simply that our body is made up of five elements the earth the wind the fire the space and water by cremation of the body we are taking all these elements of the body back to the environment that way we maintain the cosmic equilibrium also in grand scheme mm-hmm. of the things now this ritual started years and years ago i would say centuries ago Century. thousands of years ago and it continued today of course some of these practices are diminishing because of the fact that as a modern world's rituals take over mm-hmm. some of the rituals of the old times are being uh, passed on but some people who are traditionally still sticking to the original hindu principle vedic principle they continue to 
cremate the body the way it was being done thousands of years ago Prim- primarily in southern part of india they are still maintaining the tradition so let, let me I, i just want to understand your organization and then what we just talked about so is is icc do you just serve indians that are hindus um i mean other other cultures and countries i mean in, india is obviously a you know is is a huge country and even though hindu is probably the predominant religion there's probably hindus that are jewish hindus that are catholic hindus that are protestant hindus that are you know wiccan or other <laughs> other th- maybe not that no, but that, that's a, that's a good question so going back again in terms of sheer number so right. there are 1.2 billion people in india not all of them are hindus but most of them are mm-hmm. there are almost 950 million people in india who practice hinduism mm-hmm. besides that there are people in nepal nepal's religion is in fact hinduism there are other parts of the world where there are people who have gone over the last couple of hundred years with the advent of transportation and ease of business etc that these people like myself who has come here so we still practice hinduism as it was done before to lesser degree than my parents did of right. course but still we do that thing mm-hmm. and so does my ch- my daughter so that continues and these people in india who are not hindu some of them have their own family practices for example there are many people in india not large group but still enough they are buddhist they have a cremation also right. but they have their own rituals for cremation there are a small group of people called parsis parsis are a small group of people who came from old persia who follow zoroastrian as a religion and these people when they merged with the local people in india about 1100 years ago they became part of what we are so our community is not much too different than their community but they still preserve their principle they do not cremate the body they do not bury the body they leave the body for the elements to take care of it by leaving it exposed to some place for example they i don't know what they do now but they used to leave it on the tree top oh for a sky burial many of these people who came here also most of the people who have coming here are hindus but those who are not hindus they maintain their own religious preferences okay. and style and you help icc and would would so reach out to them ICC as well icc will help anyone okay. though the name suggests i stands for indian yeah my suggestion to our organization is that we could turn that into international circle for caring rather than indian circle for caring okay. we do help anyone and everyone regardless of the age caste national origin or religion but most of the families that you're working with and serving Ex- are happen to be indian and they have to be practicing again from our perspective it's i mean whether Ex- if someone's going to if you're helping them at groceries or getting i mean the religion doesn't matter but obviously when it comes to funeral rites and ceremonies the religion is obviously that is true important. you know and the reason for that is simple the people who are volunteering in this organization so their immediate family members their friends their neighbors they all know about us and most of them are like you know, people cling to their own kind in general mm-hmm. so most people who know us are also people like us who may have come from the same part of india mm-hmm. and we most of us have come from gujarat but we don't limit it from to where what part of india state of gujarat which is western part where mr gandhi came from okay. so many people are from gujarat but there are other people from other parts of india and they all live here and whenever they need any help we regardless of where they came from or which language they spoke we help them whatever help is needed now when you ask a question about the cremation so cremation is pretty involved 
and first of all we as i said before we reached out to the family at their home or hospital try to find out what are their needs what are they looking for what kind of funeral they have in mind is it going to be a very large funeral do they have to wait for other close family members to come from somewhere else etc and then we step in into that and then we try to bring in the priest we have network of priests we also know many funeral homes not all of the funeral homes have cremation facility right. but yours certainly does mm-hmm. here and as you know we have been coming here quite often over the last few years so we have directory of these funeral homes crematorium priests and other facilities which are essential in managing a funeral and we also help the families in communicating the events that's the death of the family member to their friends and families we have we give them some help in create, creating a booklet because there are some chanting that goes on and many people who are not well versed with the this chanting so often family members prepare the booklet so we help the families in creating the booklet for example we had a gentleman whose dad passed away he was indian although he was um basically had had lived most of his life in the united states with his wife and his dad was here visiting and passed away he was not familiar at all with the culture and customs and what to do and he reached out to ice he says listen i've been here for united states for 30 years i'm not i'm not practicing but my dad is here he is we want to honor what he would want and they reached out to you and ba- he, i mean <laughs> I knew more about, you know, Hindu ceremonies than he did and you know, he just said, I don't, you know, whatever you guys want is fine. Yeah. I, I want to make sure that I'm honoring what my dad would have wanted had this taken place back in India. So, that doesn't surprise me because most of these young people who may have been born here, most of them may have been born here because mm-hmm. people like us and Girish, we came here in late 60s. So, our children are now born and raised here, they are in their 30s also. Right. So, they are very aware of our interest and affiliation and our interest in our religious practices but they have no clue what it means so if one of our family members experiences death the children want to do the right thing but they have no idea what the right thing is so they turn to icc and icc steps in and they will do exactly what we would suggest that because they are using our guidance in fulfilling the wishes of the family member hmm. but this is also more common than i would have like to see which is parents visiting from india and elderly parents and one of them passes away and the young children meaning 30s or so they have never experienced death before and they don't know what to do they call icc and we come in to picture we service a lot of indian families that just call us directly do you recommend that we refer them to you even though we think we know what we're doing uh, <laughs> we have you know we have you know hindu priests that will come in and services and um so there's i think there would be an advantage of us referring them to, even though they've already sort of engaged us directly mm-hmm. um we had a a lady that passed away not too long ago who um got involved with us because she had been here through a service at icc one of her friends passed away and then her her kids um knew they just called us directly Mm-hmm. Uh, rather than sort of intervening with that but there's definitely a benefit for sort of going through it because as much as we know there's a lot we don't know as well so cremation is very involved right. and no one person would be able to tell explain or do everything that cremation calls for it according to the vedic principle so even though we have been doing this for a long time i'm sure we don't know all there is to right. know also so if you don't know much about it that's quite understandable mm-hmm. 
and you can certainly continue supporting these families as they come directly to you. However, if you want, you can always pass them on to us so we can really hand holding from the beginning until the end and they can deal with right. us better. I'd like to actually start talking about the ceremony in terms of from the time that we pick up the deceased to the procedure and process and what happens to the cremation. Where the death is pronounced by somebody, a medical expert, for example, that a person has died. And at that point, the person may be at home. Most often, the person is at home. And when the person is declared to be dead, clinically dead, if you will, at that point, the family comes into picture and the medical authorities are out of the picture. And one of the first things that happens is informing the closest relatives. Remember, in typical traditional setup, most of the family members are in the nearby area. Right. They, are, they are not flying 3,000 miles away, as an example. Though it's true, this time it may be, poss uh, may be happening in these days, but traditionally that's still not the case. So most of the villagers or town people get together, and most of them, in fact, family members are in the same area, so they get to together, and there's some grief that takes place, an emotional outburst, especially amongst the closest of the family. What people do at that point is the dead body is removed from the bed and put it on the ground. On this ground will be a little light. And even at the hospital or nursing home, you, you do that as well? From nursing home, it may be brought back to the house. Okay. So people's first preference to die at home. And if they died in the hospital, they are brought back home. I, I noticed, and again, I don't have any statistics to, to, to back this up, but... If I look at all the families, we serve about 2,200, 2,300 families a year, and about a third of our families are passing away at home, about a third of our families may be at a nursing home, and the other third, hospital. Um, but I know when we're, we're, we're working with um, the Indian community, it, it almost seems like at least three quarters of them are choosing to pass at home, and a lot of that has to do with, with the culture, I would imagine. Mm -hmm. So on the side, we also do some other work within ICC, and one of them is called Healthcare Proxy. We help people prepare their own healthcare proxy, and we ask them their wish. One of the wishes the people have is to go home. When they are dying, they would rather die at home. So it's a preference, and mm -hmm. when a survey was done in the United States, good 80% of people declared that to be their intention to preference that to die at home. In India, that's more common than it may be in the right. mother, more modern societies as such. But anyways, when the dead person, the body of the dead person is brought home or is already at home, they remove it from the bed onto the ground. On the ground, they throw some holy water. Usually, most of the families have a little bit of holy water from River Ganges. River Ganges is considered the holiest of river because it directly descended from heaven, from hmm. Lord Shiva's head. So river, Ganges River's water is considered very holy. So any Hindu religious rites take place rituals. We start with the sprinkling the water onto the ground. So now that ground becomes holy. Body is brought on that. And then they put a little light. Light is, they, this match, with a matchbook, they put a little, start a light and that's, using a purified butter called ghee. That's one of the more important uh, elements in Hinduism is ghee. Ghee is used quite often about these sort of things. They also and what is ghee? Ghee is purified butter. Okay. Clarified butter. Don't you, mm. you don't cook Indian food at home? I, I wish I could. It just never turns out that well. <laughs> so they use this. So that's, and also they put a favorite deity's photograph near the body. 
and this is to symbolize that the person is the marching on soul is marching on is free will be marching on and the body that's left behind is to be going back to the the five elements of the the world if you will now families have started gathering we do not like to keep the body in the house for very long time in fact the preference is to burn the body cremate the body on the same day however if the person died in late in the evening when it's not feasible then people wait until the next morning but never beyond next sunset mm-hmm. idea is to burn cremate the body as early as possible after the death has been announced and what's the reasoning what's the what's the the sort of the, the religious or the the logic behind so that so that the soul can be completely free of the body remember the body is the cage in which the right. soul has been imprisoned the soul is eternal it has to go somewhere else in fact when we cremate the body soul will go to the another body if the person has done good deeds in life the soul may go into another human being which is the highest form of life however if the person has been not so good in his or her life and is lived a sinful life then belief is that the person may come back in the lower form of life such as bugs animals etc etc and work the way back up again and work open. the way back up and there is this cycle of life this is cycle of birth life and death that continues so our family members interest is to release the soul possibly to the next better life and when this life continues at one point the life that's lived so very well that there'll be no need for this soul to come back in the human form either and that's called liberation salvation or nirvana mm-hmm. and the ultimate freedom and the person will never be repeating this cycle of life birth life and death again so anyway this body is on the floor it has been dressed up in a white clothes favorite clothes of that person if it's a woman's body and if the woman's husband is alive they clad that body in a red sari if the woman's husband is dead if woman is was widow then they put cover the body in a white outfit with some jewelry the preference is for the jewelry that she preferred in that case for the man it could be wrist watch as an example and some other clothes or favorite tie if be if the that be the case then the families have arrived they try to co- take this body to the nearest place where there is an arrangement by the city government or the local authorities for burning the body in old times it used to be near the river bank of a river not every city has a river not every village has a river so the city government or the local authorities will provide for some platform away from town little farther away from town which is where the prior is created which is wooden logs arranged in such a way that body can be left on it families take this body to that place they put the body on this pyre and the eldest son the eldest son will match this body and there's some dry grass the hay around it also in addition to the dry woods so the dry wood catches the fire quickly and the body will be burning now this is fire. what happens in india obviously that's not right. not in that it doesn't States. happen okay. here we don't go by the merrimack river that's correct to, okay. that's correct that's correct yeah. so but anyway so the, when the body is burnt and it takes 2 to 3 to 4 hours for the body to burn as the body is burnt then families go back home they have to take shower at that point they have to 
clean themselves. They have to purify because body was not pure. Mm -hmm. Soul was the pure one. Body was not pure one. So especially the immediate family members will take shower, clean them. Cleansing takes place and they put new clothes on. They discard the old clothes that they were wearing before that. And then next day or day after, following a couple of days later, they come back to pick up the ashes. And ashes are taken to a river, such as holy river like Ganges. Or if a river, if they are quite far from Ganges river, they might do that in a local river. They sprinkle the ash because that might, that's how. But always a river, not the ocean. River. Ocean, river is meet the ocean. Okay, so it's a practical aspect of yeah. it. But not the pond. Pond is a stagnation of water. So they want to leave it in a river that goes into the so ocean. So if, you're on, if you live on the coast, it would be in India, you, you're fine. That could, they would go to the ocean. That would be acceptable. They would, go to the ocean. They would okay. also sprinkle with some flowers and some other religious things and also the ghee and little light and they put it in the water. Now this is what they do in India. Right. But the Hindu people who follow the Hinduism practices here in the United States, our local authorities don't allow us to burn the bodies wherever they choose to because there are certain areas such as crematorium, which is licensed facilities. So when ICC is notified of the death in a family, we go approach them. Then we try to find out what are their preferences. If they have a preference for a Hindu priest, we have a list of the Hindu priests. We try to find out, contact one of them. We also try to find out when the funeral could take place, the cremation could take place. If they're not waiting for the many family members from distance, then we could rather do that very next day, So, which we do, if the state laws allow. For example, in Massachusetts, we cannot do that for at least two days. As you and know. same as New Hampshire, as you know, there's a 48-hour right. waiting period. Sometimes that's been been weighed by the medical examiner but you know if someone passes on the weekend we can't necessarily get in touch right. with the medical examiner so we, we try to take yeah. as best we can the cultures and customs and try to americanize them making sure that we're meeting all the so when the, the family has decided on the uh, schedule the funeral if mm-hmm. you will after a facility is contacted for example icc would contact you but in your case this funeral home and if you are available and if you can accommodate then we would have the funeral at that point so now the body is already here in the in, mm-hmm. in United States case, in our case right. here in this area, body is already with you. So family will come with their preference for the clothes that they would like to have for the, fa- the person who has deceased. And they dress up the thing, their body. But with when they dress up the body, they use ghee, butter, milk, and honey. And also a little bit of pink or red powder, you might have seen that. Mm -hmm. And this is all one of the holy things. The idea is to purify. Cleansing takes place. So when soul departs the body, everything is pure and clean. And whatever is not pure and clean is burnt so that it is sacrificed, so to speak, in the fire. So after the body is cleaned, new clothes are provided, then the priest comes into picture and priest will start chanting certain religious hymn or script from the scripture and at that point the priest is using old ancient language called sanskrit and most people don't understand i have no idea when this priest is reciting these things but most people don't either but we know it's like latin for the people who are following catholicism when pope says something Mm -hmm. they know he meant well but we don't understand what he said likewise the priest says in sanskrit and he'll do he or she, mostly it's a he, will start chanting in Sanskrit language. And the ritual could last anyway from a few minutes to a couple of hours based on the family's interest, preference, and the religious belief in, the, in this last rites of the cremation. 
after the priest has done his religious duty by the way the religious duty is performed by the eldest son eldest male relative if it's not son is not there then the brother would take place or some cousin or so but usually eldest male in india by the way the women don't go for the cremation they stay at home mm-hmm. because women are not able to control the emotions they might cry and when they cry the tears come out and tears are like any time body sheds something it's impure so tears are also considered impure and we don't want any impurity of tears so women do not accompany the men when they go for cremation in united states as you have seen here the families come in india children don't go to the cremation facility either because it's not something they can withstand in terms of citing it in united states that's also yeah, common right. children come here or some so after the priest has done his duty he has asked the oldest son to perform certain religious aspects of it including offering rice ball which is made of a rice flour five or seven ball which are left in the casket at different parts of the body they also most priests will do this though not all of them do the same thing they will put seven coins on seven different parts of the body like behind the ears on the eyes on the near the nose on the chest etc the priest will also try to bring the palm together in a prayer condition in prayer pose if you will as if the person who is departing has been praying for the the, the god's mm-hmm. uh, blessing if you will or something so anyway so this is goes on and after it's done all the family members who are present in the funeral facilities they come to offer their own last respects and the way we do that is by having flower pet rose petals as medicine you mentioned rose petals are brought there for the family the each of these visiting members of the family friends etc will come forward take some petals circle around the body in a counter clockwise and they start with the head then they complete the circle offer the flowers at the bo- at the feet but don't touch the body only priest and the oldest son will touch the body then they go back to their seats after offering their condolences to the family after everybody is done then the oldest son will come he will make three rounds again counter clockwise in such a way that the body is on his left hand side and he circles around at the end he will offer the flowers and the casket is closed and then when everybody is seated the immediate family members the what we call the pole bearers mm-hmm. there are four of those and usually mostly if not all the time these are the male members of the family they come forward on four sides of this casket they take it out feet first and then they take it out and they go to the cremation facility in the cremation facility there is this oven and the priest again performs some religious duty raises the casket to the level of the oven door and the oldest son again will put a little fire on the casket when it's not permitted permitted by the local laws if you will then the oldest son will press the button and turn the oven on and in this case the oven will turn the body into ashes which is picked up next day by the oldest son or another family member who is available but they don't bring it home these ashes are in a small box they are left in the garage for example because remember this is the impure thing we don't right. want to bring it back and we have released the soul soul is free and in fact wondering 
and it takes 10 days before the soul finds another body in which the soul will be traveling so to speak meaning the next life this is a fundamental belief of the hindu reincarnation as a part of the cremation cremation and reincarnation belief they are go hand in hand so the family members will come back pick up the ashes take it home leave it in the garage and they will take it to the river if they have preference they might be going to india and if so when they go to india they might take it and go to ganges not all of them do that but some still do that and my father passed away here and we took ashes to India, to River Ganges. Mm -hmm. In case of those families who don't do this thing, they are really leaving it in the local rivers if the EPA laws permit them to do so. But the ashes are always left in the flowing water. Flowing water, okay. Thank you, Partek, for really enlightening us on the traditions of Hindu funeral process. And thank you listeners for once again joining us on Dying to Talk. If you have questions about funerals or cremations in New Hampshire or Vermont, I'm happy to answer them. Email me at buddy at phaneuf.net, buddy at p-h-a-n-e-u-f.net, or feel free to call me on my direct line at 603-625-5778. Our contact information is also in the show notes for each episode. <laughs>